Episode 5 of The Morning Tilt. And for our Australian listeners from the Down Under, crikey, thanks for listening. We got tons to talk about today. Um, it's been a long week. Tons and tons to get into. I think we should just get right into it now. No? Pre-Rob Rafa? What do you think? Unlimited content. So much going on. I, I don't even know where to start. Um, I mean, actually, you know what I do? Because there has been so much happening in the sports world and these two are laughing at me already because I've been absolutely fuming about this topic. A YouTube sensation has confirmed a fight against the greatest pound-for-pound athlete in the history of the earth. Am I dreaming? Bro, I, I, okay, so I saw this on, on everywhere I looked because it was on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I literally saw this everywhere. I just ignore it. I, I, just, I see it, I delete it, and I move on with my day. Because the thought that this is actually getting public notice makes me so nauseous. Because I could just picture Logan Paul's smug fucking face with all his boys right now. And he's like, I'm going to make like 400 bajillion dollars because I'm fighting Floyd Mayweather. And it's a fucking exhibition. Like, it's not even a fight. They're not allowed to hit. It's going to be like Tyson versus whoever that schlub was he was fighting. Honestly, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me when Donald Trump, a businessman, said, fuck it. I want to be the president. And, and yeah. it just got hyped. Like, he just he just decided that he wanted to enter. Look, they asked Dana White what he thought about it. This is what he said. <laughs> he said, this represents the state of boxing. Didn't this kid just get a beatdown from the video gamer in England? And now he's going to fight Floyd Mayweather? I think of it from a different perspective. I think it's the biggest compliment Logan Paul could ever receive. Oh, give me a fucking break. I think it's not, give me no, a break. Listen, not because of his boxing skills. Floyd Mayweather, like you said, the greatest pound per f- pound athlete of, I don't know, all time. He's incredible at what he does. He's looking at Logan Paul being like, wow, this guy's like a huge audience. Like, I can make money off this guy. Like, I, I can like have a pay-per-view with Logan Paul and like like sort of come back to reality and be like, yo, I'm like, I'm still here. I'm Floyd Mayweather. There's not a chance in hell Floyd has anything to do with that decision. Like, he's literally brought a contract from, like, his management. They're like, yeah, like, you're going to make $20 million. You don't think he has signed. anything to do with it? Not a fucking chance. I think if there was, like, a good fighter and he'd have a chance of losing, he'd be like, no. No, of course. But the first of all, it's an exhibition. So he literally has nothing to lose. So, like, like, if Logan Paul comes out swinging, he's never knocking him out. And the judges are going to give it to Floyd if there even are judges for this fight. I have no idea. <laughs> are like, there like, rules? I, I don't know if there are rules. I don't know if there are judges. <laughs> chair I, I, yeah, like, I have no idea what the hell is going to happen. But, like, I, I just can't imagine, like... Logan Paul has spoken to Floyd Mayweather about this fight. This is straight through management, oh. assistance, emails, like talk to my see, people, I I'll totally talk to see your the people. Other way around too, so, so there's two things that stand out to me. The first one is I don't understand what value, I mean, other than the fact that he's going to make another hundred million, I get it, like it's a shit ton of money, but for his legacy, like, I mean, there's kind of a risk for him. Like there's a 99.9% chance he wins this fight, but if he gets knocked out by a, a Vine connoisseur, as I hit. mentioned, I don't know what I, I don't know. I, but it's an exhibition. Go out of his way and make sure like like nothing yeah. could ha- ever happen to like harm his undefeated look, record. Look, Flo- Floyd Mayweather is the best defensive fighter in history. He does not get touched by professional like like Manny Pacquiao yeah. couldn't touch him. There is not a chance Logan Paul. His gloves are coming out clean, like like pristine from the package. You could you could return them back to Everlast after the fight because they're not going to be used. 
But the clout Logan's going to get from this. Yeah, it makes me nauseous. So, so that's it, where it, I agree. That's where I agree. Honestly, like, I, I hate it, and it bothers me so much. It's crazy how he's been able to gain a following like that. It's insane. But these are the things that bother me. Like, listen to this quote from, from Logan Paul. He said, my brother just pulled off a beautiful knockout, and it inspires me. He raised the bar for boxing for my family, and I have to match it. Let me just repeat that. He raised the bar for boxing. He knocked out a 5'8 point guard who has <laughs> never thrown a punch in his life. Have some respect for the sport. You are a fucking... Like, it bothers me. I don't like, think... I, I, I think we... I can't talk about this anymore. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's I, I, can't, I just want to touch on one more thing. I think this is good and bad for boxing. Good because people are watching boxing again. But two, it could be bad because they're watching boxing again because... Jake Paul's fight. Yeah, it's not even boxing. Like it's not even... It's like, for the sport, do you want to watch GGG or whatever his name is? Yeah. That like yeah. crazy banterweight? Or do you want to watch Jake Paul? And like, the sad thing is Jake Paul's generated more of an audience and more of like, a, oh my God, I need to watch than the actual heavyweights and the, the championship. Like you're, you're right. You're right. It's, it's bringing boxing back. And Max, I, I agree. Let's move on. Uh, the other thing that's coming back is the NBA and the NHL. And uh, I know we just want to spend a couple seconds talking about it. It's it's coming. Look, I mean, that that Christmas Day schedule for the NBA is crazy. Yeah. Like crazy crazy. We get LeBron and Doncic going head to head with Kyrie versus Boston, Brooklyn. I mean, that that's going to be a great game. Durant back. Durant's back. I mean, like I can't believe the turnaround time on the season was literally like under 2 months. It's really impressive. It's really impressive. And same with the NHL, just a quick hitter. Like they just came out and publicized that there's four divisions, all Canadian divisions starting January 13th. Teams are heading back to training camp. World Junior players are going to head back right after the tournament. Um, I know we're we're about a month away, but it's exciting. Like the second that playoff football happens, like the, these seasons are underway and they're going to be super interesting. I mean, I, I don't think there's an asterisk on them. I think that they're just going to be unique seasons. Um, yeah, it's exciting. I, th I think you so you mentioned asterisks. I think this all Canadian division with hockey. I think hockey and the NHL. Out of all the sports you're comparing it to, I know they have no time to prepare anything. I know they're they're crunching their numbers and they have to they have to put out a product no matter what. But this all Canadian division versus everybody else, I think, puts the biggest asterisks compared to the NBA, who are playing everybody. Oh yeah. Compared to the NFL, like what we're seeing now is like, oh, we're playing everybody. Teams are traveling. So I think this NHL thing where the Toronto Maple Leafs are only going to be playing the Winnipegs, the Vancouver's, and all the other Canadian teams where they won't even face a Pittsburgh or a Washington, you don't know how you can level up competition-wise. And when it gets to the playoffs, who knows? I mean, the good news is the Canadian teams this year look to be pretty good. Like, the, Sen yeah. the Sens got a lot better. The Habs got a lot better. And I love oh, baby, wait, 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 till, oh, wait till I start talking about my Canucks. Jesus Christ. I'm excited. But again, that, that's a long time away. We have so much to cover before then. It's, it's all football right now. And before we even get to the NFL, like this college playoff race is so entertaining. Um, for everybody who doesn't sit on their couch from you know, 12 till 12 on a Saturday, first of all, I don't know what the hell you're doing. But second of all, you got to tune into some of these games. Next Saturday, we have a number of incredible games. Um, you know, Bama looks unstoppable. The SEC championship game with Trask and the Gators visiting Alabama, uh, Bama, yeah, insane. Clemson-Notre Dame ACC championship game. And Ohio State, I don't know what's going on with them. Max? They actually just – sorry, Max. No, no, go, go ahead. Yeah, they lifted the, – the Big Ten lifted the restrictions. So they're going to be okay for the Big Ten did. championship. And they had to do it because I think – Ohio State deserves to be four. Those <laughs> that panel that we talk about that yeah, the just Joe like Bidens. yeah the yeah. Joe Bidens are like oh Ohio Ohio State can't oh no they can play don't worry about it we'll lift the restrictions no problem shout out to all my friends out in Indiana Bloomington um, 
Hoosiers fans, I feel bad for you guys because they're a good team. Um, th- this could have been your opportunity. What I and am, now it's sorry. fields. Now it's fields. What I am concerned about, and I, I hate to compare it to college basketball because I personally don't know much about college basketball, but everybody watches March Madness. March Madness brings in crazy revenues, cra- crazy TV ratings. Everybody sits down and watches it. And I think that the college football playoff needs to come up with a similar type of playoff that the March Madness playoffs have because having four teams in it, it all being Power 5 schools, is so unfair to teams like Coastal Carolina who just beat everybody. Yeah. They Whoever just shows up to their field, they beat. BYU, 10th ranked, comes into Coastal Carolina, beats them. Like Cincinnati, they're going to get no love. They actually moved down, and, Ohio, and Iowa State moved up with two losses. It just makes no sense. They put no respect to schools that are not in the Power 5 conference, and I think that needs to change because the, the magical thing about sports is – Anybody can beat anybody in a given situation. You don't know what could happen. There could be an injury. You see 16 seeds in March Madness beat number one all the yeah. time. Well, what if a Cincinnati goes into an Alabama in a March Madness type of tournament and wins? You never know, and we'll never know. And that, that's the thing with football, too. It's like it's single elimination. And we've seen, we've seen injuries affect games like that, but obviously you don't want to see injuries. But we've seen crazy upsets in football and in March Madness, and it's, it's, it's a shame that a lot of these like teams are going teams go undefeated and don't make the playoffs. It's corrupt. Like they're giving a they're given a schedule. UCF did it. I want to say a few years back. They went undefeated and weren't even looked at for the playoffs. Like, what's the point? Why show up? I mean, obviously they're going to show up, but I just don't understand how no, you motivate I, these players. <laughs> it's not fair. Can Can you imagine going undefeated, and some and, idiot looks at you and says. Mm, yeah, you guys aren't good enough to to play for the championship. Yeah, like you, we we didn't lose. Like you, we. And you know what? <laughs> I'm going to go off about this about my Pittsburgh Steelers because the disrespect this team got at 11-0, I get it. We lost the game. Sound the freaking alarms. I understand. And boy, oh boy, do we have more, more of that coming. But can you can you just imagine going undefeated and then saying, hey, yeah, you've been chosen to play in the who gives a fuck bowl in like the middle of like North Dakota? Like it's, it's, so, even, it's so sour. It's not even just going undefeated. It's waking <laughs> up every day as a student athlete. It's going to practice every single day after class to come to practice, to come to a game and realize, oh, we just don't even have a chance to go to the playoff. I think they need to invite everybody. I think they need to change this whole system. Just give these kids a chance. Like, what's their motivation? Like Rafa said, you need motivation. And these kids are just, they're getting killed by it. Yeah, like, welcome to the Orange Bowl. Congrats. <laughs> welcome to the Cotton Bowl Classic. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, hey, playoff races is all we like to talk about. And, I mean, the NFL. Oh, my God. Do we have a lot to talk about today? We have a full deck, full action full packed slate of playoff race NFL football let's just talk about it quick we're going to go over a few things we're going to recap the biggest games from last week we're going to do our coveted over the rainbow mad tilts get into our locks and our picks that you all wait for they're all coming up Um, tons tons to discuss and honestly when I look across the NFL right now that extra playoff spot it adds a lot of dimension into the league Uh, a lot of opportunity for some teams who are you know right on the bubble um, and it, it makes that one seed so important because there's only one buy. So, like, I mean, we're talking about Pittsburgh. I don't want to get too into it, but that loss could be a make or break for their for their one seed, which is absolutely season changing. So let's dive into it and have an honest Steelers <laughs> discussion because you know what? I, I think shit's about to pop off here. Uh, for all of the listeners, you guys know how passionate I am about this team, but I'm gonna remove my heart uh, from this conversation, and I'm just gonna talk unbiasedly because I think it's important. Um, I have two haters at the table with me, so it's not hater. Pr- it's not the pr- you're, I don't prepare. think we're haters at we're all. I think we watch football with our eyeballs, and we see that. There and are teams. I'm gonna get into it. So, 
the Washington football team uh, visited the Pittsburgh Steelers. The line closed at minus six, and the total was 43 and a half. Um, the miracle season has finally come to an end. It, it, it was ugly. I, I get it. I mean, Alex Smith walked into Heinz Field, threw for 296 yards, made history, and took down the Pittsburgh Steelers 23 to 17. The biggest thing that stood out to me is, is the Steelers' inability to hold this lead. Taking this stat, which was crazy, prior to this game, the Steelers were 78-1-1 at Heinz when leading by 14-plus points. They went up early by 14, and they blew it. I'll identify the problems right away, and I'm curious to hear what you guys think. The run game is an issue. I, I, I know. It is. Snell had five carries for eight yards. McFarlane had four carries for 15 yards. If they don't figure this out, there's going to be a, a big problem in big games. The other issue that I see is coaching. The only people who love Mike Tomlin are people who are not Steelers fans. Go find me a Steelers fan who loves Mike Tomlin. I guarantee you couldn't do it because he gets get, he gets outcoached 75 to 80% of games. He's terrible. He's terrible. He made one fourth down decision. It was fourth and one. You have so many weapons. Big Ebron, Claypool, Juju. And he threw a 25-yard wheel route to a backup running back who has five career receptions on a fourth and one. I don't get it. The other thing that I noticed, they dominated early in the game at man-to-man defense. And then all of a sudden, they moved to a conservative deep cover three zone and let Alex Smith just pick them apart with Tom Brady-like outs. I mean, look, I, I wasn't impressed with, with the game, but let's just call a spade a spade here. The team is 11-1. and one. The defense is still unbelievable. It was a total stinker. There are two concerns. I still think this team is a legit Super Bowl contender unbiasedly. Tell me I'm wrong. Look, I, you, you say a lot of good points, and you, you think I like hate the Steelers. Like I don't hate the Steelers. I just think that they're in for a serious wake-up call, and let me tell you why. They're, they were 11-0 before this week, and you can't take that away from them. You can only play the games on your schedule, and I understand that. But when you beat, and let me list this in order from week 1 to 11, you beat Daniel Jones, who the Giants were atrocious at the beginning of the season. You barely squeaked by the Broncos in week two. You beat the Bill O'Brien-led Houston, Houston Texans, who stink. You beat Carson Wentz, who you personally think is the worst football player on earth, so I don't have to get into that one. You beat the Browns, who at the time were trying to find their identity. You were bailed out by a missed field goal against the Titans. You barely squeaked by the Ravens in the next, in the next week when Lamar Jackson had a chance to win into the goal line. You barely beat the 3-8 and eight Cowboys who you were trailing to the entire game, with Ben DiNucci at quarterback. You beat the two-win Bengals. The two-win Bengals. You beat the Jake Lutton-led Jacksonville Jaguars. And then you barely squeaked by Chase McSorley-led Baltimore Ravens. Tracy. Tracy McSorley-Baltimore Ravens. Those are your 11 wins. And you can't take it away from them because you can only play on the, who's on the schedule. I get that. But when you go up against real teams, like Washington's a real team. They have a real defense. They're, a real they're extremely they're coached extremely well. And my fear for the Steelers is that they're going to they're going to wake up in the playoffs and Juju's going to be dancing on the other team's logo and he's going to be on TikTok and he doesn't realize that these teams have played real teams. And they're not they're not going to be able to match the intensity of a of a Titans team in the playoffs. The Titans are in a, going to war every week. Every game they play in is a battle. They're playing way better teams than Pittsburgh and it's to no fault of their own. But I think there's going to be a serious issue down the stretch in the regular season. I think they're due for at least one or two more losses. And I think it's going to be a huge problem in the playoffs. A huge problem in the playoffs. I'm going to tag along with Max. I'm not going to get as into it as he did. You mentioned the running game, Corey. The running game is a huge issue. You mentioned you can't hold the leads. Well, to hold the lead, you need to run the ball. You need to waste the clock. That's a huge issue. And I'm just going to 
not going to nitpick the defense. I'm not going to nitpick the offense, the coaching. I just don't think this team's as good as everybody thinks. They're 11-1, and one, yes. Max ran down their schedule beautifully. I think that since early October, they're not as good as their record suggests. They had Lamar and the Ravens. They had a chance to win after he threw, f- what, two picks and committed two fumbles? Down 10 into the fourth quarter, like Rafa said, to Gilbert and the Cowboys. Came back, squeaked out a win. RG3 fumbles. RG3 is the B team, and then they had McSorley come in, like we mentioned. They almost lost to the B team, Baltimore Ravens. He fumbled, he threw a pick six, and they still had a chance at the end of the game with, what, three minutes left to drive and win the game? Titans score 17 straight against you guys. A Goskowski field goal away from, I don't know, tying the game, going to overtime, who knows? I think this offense is too predictable without running the football. And if you look at all the good teams in the league, I don't think you can look at me square in the face, depending on strength of schedule, and say that they are better than the Saints, that they are better than the Packers, that they are better than the Bills, which we'll see this week. It's going to be a big game. That they are better than the Rams. That even, I don't know, Titans, Browns, Seahawks. I think they're in that group of teams. I think they're within the 6th, 7th, 8th ranked teams in the league, which is still a great team. But I just do not think they're as good as an 11-1 team should be in the NFL. <laughs> you should see his face right now. I'm disgusted. <laughs> I- I'm disgusted from what I hear. I, there's issues. I, I get it. But you're talking to me like this team is like six and six. Like when people talk about the Ravens about making the Super Bowl and then people go, yeah, you know, the Steelers, they're all right. I, I think they're, they had a weak schedule. Let me give you this objective eye test that I've seen for the last 15 years. Okay. The Steelers consistently play down to their opponents. There are stats. They're like 12, 10 and one against four win teams under Tomlin over the last like five years, something crazy like that. They pick their game up when they play good teams. So I can't, I can't listen to you when you say, "Oh, uh, you know, they've had a shitty schedule. Uh, they've, they've won. No, they've okay. consistently so, won games." Okay, wait, sorry, Rafa. If yep. they were a team, they're supposed to be. You don't win against Dallas. You beat Dallas by twenty-five. You beat Jake Luton in Jacksonville by twenty-five. You beat the Bengals, I think, what you did by twenty-five. You beat these shit teams. Like, good teams are supposed to beat bad teams. You look at Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Okay, they don't hold on a second. Hold on a second. KC squeaked by against Denver. Are they shit? They no, just don't a, run up. They don't run up the score. That's a divisional matchup. They, they don't could, run up the score. You saw against Tampa. They could have won that game 55 nothing if they really wanted you're to. You're not going to sit here and compare the Steelers to Kansas City. I won't, I won't accept it. Okay, I, I, I'm the biggest Mahomes fan ever, and I, I, I think he's just the greatest, most beautiful athlete of all time, and I get it. But I just... The di- look, there's issues. I'm not saying this is a guaranteed Super Bowl team, but to look at me in the face and be like, I, this is an eighth-ranked team, come on. This no, is the no. best defense in the NFL by far. By far. They're not. They're by not. Far. And they're banged up. So. And they're banged up. By far. I don't think so. No Bud Dupree and no... Um, Devin Bush is huge. Look, honestly, huge. I love the debate, and we can go all day, but we're just gonna have to to let it play out. No, I mean, look, this really is quick. A big, this, I, I, it's just bullshit, man. It's just really quick to move on because he can't take. This. Really quick, I need one more word. Based on what you said about playing down to opponents, I think this weekend's the the the, the age old test. If they put up a stinker, or no, if they lose this weekend against Buffalo, I think they're in trouble, and I mean like trouble, trouble. Like, 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 like trouble is in like AFC Championship home game trouble. Like, is that is that no, the no, like first round, like see you next year trouble. Like I first really round, do. like lose to the Dolphins trouble. Not the Dolphins, but I think any other AFC team is gonna be a problem. Like Philip Rivers on the road trouble. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
I think Indy's defense might be better than Pittsburgh's defense. Uh, there's veins popping out of my forehead. I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I can't listen to this. Next game. Next I'll game. S- next I'll game. save you from from this torture, yeah. <laughs> and I'll just talk about the Sunday I had watching Colt McCoy and Joe Judge just obliterate Russell Wilson. <laughs> Dismantle the Seahawks. Like, did DK Metcalf play in that game? I'm not sure. Like, I'm gonna go out on a tangent here and say that this was a franchise-altering win. And I know it was week 12. I know it was the regular season. But I'm old enough to remember a laughing stock the New York Giants were with Ben McAdoo. Yeah, three weeks his ago. His what? His oversized Oakleys. You had Pat Shermer calling bad plays. You had Eli Manning in his past, like, past his prime memes blowing up on the internet with, like, his weird-ass faces. But now, now... We have a defensive, well-coached, just gutless football team. Like, gutless football team. The way they could contain Russell Wilson, Metcalf, Lockett, and their entire Seattle offense was actually fascinating. And to be perfectly honest, this might get some backlash. The man who gets credit or should get credit for this, I don't know, culture-changing Giants team is Dave Gettleman. The most, I don't know, slandered general manager of all time. It's crazy. This guy got absolutely rinsed for trading Odell Beckham, got rinsed for drafting Daniel Jones or whatever else you want to nitpick him on. But guess who are the top performers and the biggest one in the franchise in, I don't know, six years on Sunday? Dexter Lawrence. First-round pick out of Clemson, included in the OBJ trade. Jabril Peppers, one of the best safeties in the league right now, in return for OBJ. Leonard Williams got for a third and a fifth-round pick from the Jets, and he's sitting at the top of the NFL or near the top in the NFL with eight-and-a-half sacks. To see this team come into fruition finally with an entirely new coaching staff, no preseason to work with, no OTAs, no nothing. Credit to Joe Judge and credit to the entire staff for making the players believe and that the, believe that in, they are a capable winning football team. And for Seattle, I don't, I don't, it's a bad loss. I wouldn't overreact with Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll. They should be well on their way to compete uh, for the NFC West, make some noise in the playoffs. But the story from this game is the Giants. Look, I... Uh, I had this team as this was my lock of the week last week. I had Seattle minus ten. Uh, I thought this was a, I thought this was an absolute. I thought it was going to be a disaster. I thought I thought the Giants were going to be lost. And I and credit to myself, um, I did say this is strictly because Daniel Jones wasn't playing, and I just have no faith in Colt McCoy. Um, I think there was a play at the beginning of the game that definitely shifted the tide when Seattle blocked the punt, and it was a clear like easy touchdown recovery, yeah, and it bounced nice. off the guy's yeah. face and went out of bounds for yeah. a safety. That was definitely a, a changing play of the game. But look, this defense, this defense is all I could talk about because I watched that entire Seattle game because I had about four grand in potential winnings on that game, which lost. Um, but look, I think, I think the Giants are still a year or so away. I really which is do. totally fine. And I think, that's, and I think you're okay totally with that. Fine. I think you're okay with that. Any Giants fan would be fine with that. I think this was a massive win. I think it shows the type of team, the type of culture that they're trying to brew in New York which is like the exact opposite of what they're trying to brew in the Jets. Um, I thought it was super impressive. I think, Corey, you're going to have a stroke here, but I think, I think their defense might be better than Pittsburgh's defense. <laughs> I really do. I really do. And they're spending half, and they have double, like the most cap space in the league or close to it. I actually it. don't have the energy. Like, I, I don't have the energy to get into this conversation. Like, what are you watching? What are you watching? This is what I will say, though, about the Giants, okay? Yeah, stir that pot, baby. You stir that pot. I, 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 it's crazy to think that thick thigh Saquon Barkley isn't playing on this team. Just wait till he gets back. Look who's not playing, wait too. Wait he gets back. And I, and I noticed that, but I love Gallman. 
Gallman's a great running. He's, fan. he's. I've been taking him in anytime touchdown tickets. He just scores touchdowns without without oh. checking. He averaged at least five and a half he's yards a carry in that game. Almost hundred yards a game. In that game, he against Seattle, he averaged over five and a half yards a carry. I guarantee he's it because I watched fantastic. the entire game. He's fantastic. But yeah, I mean, I can't even get. In, I don't even want to get into the defense conversation. I, I mean, I I have about eighty three stats in front of me uh, about why the Steelers are a better uh, defensive unit than than the Giants. But we're not looking from in, in weeks addition, one to in, now. You have to look at the last five weeks. Yeah. yeah. And in addition to the fact that ugh, I'm just in love with TJ Watt. Like, come on. He's amazing. He's, he's, he's amazing. just, he's just the top three defensive player in the league. He's incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, the Giants look really good. Um, the NFC East, honestly, has become interesting. Uh, the Very Giants, interesting. Uh, the football team, uh, the Jalen Hurts led Eagles that might make a move. I mean, the Cowboys are favored this week. Like, there, there's some, there's some. But what's funny about action. the NFC East and how it got ripped apart all year long is that whoever doesn't win the division is still has a chance to make the playoffs because they're both five and seven, the football team and the Giants, and the Vikings are there at six and six. That's one game back. Yeah. Uh, who Nin- else is there? Niners are five and, and seven. Niners that, are five and that, seven. They're still in the hunt. That NFC Cardinals. North division, like, is debatably Lions, Lions considerably what, worse, seven? considerably worse than the NFC East. Oh. Totally. Because the Bears and the Lions are unwatchable. I think the football team and the Giants would beat the Vikings. I think it'd be really good games. Moving on to my recap of the week, and it'd be a disservice to my boys in the down south if I didn't at least talk about the Saints for five seconds. Um, fantastic win again. Taysom Hill looked incredible. Um, the one problem I see week in, week out is fumbling the ball. Um, I think that needs to be a serious emphasis at practice this week. But I think he'll clean it up. Um, so, look, Saints, nine in a row. Sitting in first place, couldn't be happier. Uh, the game I want to talk about was the Browns and Titans game. Um, this was a pick that I was super, super confident about when I made my picks last week. Um, Browns were getting six points against the Titans, and I said I said this last week, and I and I stick by it. That was the biggest spot, the biggest game of Baker Mayfield's entire career—middle school, high school, college, whatever you want to call it. This was absolutely a career changing moment for him and i'm not i don't think i'm over overstating how big of a win that was i think it showed that he could not just compete with the big boys but he could he could throw when he has to he could he can control the pace of the game i mean he was th- what they scored 30 35 points at halftime yeah he had like 290 touch uh, 290 yards and four touchdowns in the first half yeah like like this i was so impressed and i love baker so i was really happy to see it they are without odell beckham which is just another weapon they're going to add i'm really really excited these are two teams that i think are going to be deep deep in the playoffs this year the browns and the titans I'm really uh, this game was fantastic. The Titans fought back. I think the Browns definitely took their foot off the pedal yeah. because there was just no need. Um, and also the just score, don't know how to play with the lead. Yeah, that, that, that too. <laughs> like, like for 20 years, they've played down yeah. 25. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look, and the, the crazy thing is that they have Chubb and Hunt, who I mean, I don't I don't think I'd ask for two better running backs together yeah. to, to kill clock. So I was super impressed. Great game to watch. I don't know. What do you, anything to talk about that? Yeah, their run game is crazy. The one thing, did you see Donovan Peoples-Jones touchdown oh celebration? God, he's so cool. He can. He should be on Dancing with the he's Stars. He's so yeah. cool. And his name. What a shimmy. And his name. Donovan's I, I just want to touch on Baker. Because yeah. we always talk about like the Tua Tungavailoas and, and the Herberts and how they get ridiculed as they first enter the league. I need to talk about coaching for a second because Baker's been, what, through three coaches already and he couldn't find his groove? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. You need to have the perfect spot. Josh Allen in his second year with McDermott has been great. Third year, he's in the third year now. But Baker with a Stefanski has a good head on his shoulders, a good coach. You can finally see the potential of these rookie quarterbacks or these young quarterbacks. And it just goes to show that you need the perfect spot, the perfect culture to succeed. And the same thing with Lamar Jackson and Harbaugh. First year MVP or second year MVP. 
it's it's just crazy to think that no one I feel like no one thinks about that. They just think, oh, you're a first you're a first yeah. round pick, first first uh, overall pick, come into the NFL and throw thirty touchdowns. I talk about it with you guys all the time, and it's not just quarterbacks. Like look at Michael Thomas. Like Michael Thomas was a late a later pick than I obviously he should have been, clearly. But look, if he doesn't go to the Saints with Drew Brees, who knows what the hell he is? If yeah. he gets drafted to like the Jets. Look at Josh Rosen. Or Jacksonville. Yeah, Josh Rosen. Look, Jared Goff, his first year was with what's mm-hmm. his face? The worst Jeff coach Fisher. ever. Yeah. Jeff Fisher, yeah. He was awful. Like, if Jeff Fisher stays, Jared Goff never makes a super. We never he Coaches never makes the play so never important. makes the playoffs. Management is so important, it is never talked about. It's everything. C- can you imagine if I, I said to you a year ago today that you'll watch a wild card game, a playoff game, uh, Cleveland Browns versus Miami Dolphins? It's unbelievable. Like, yeah, it's crazy. And like that's just though, we grew up with those teams just consistently losing, yeah. and and now like, I mean, I don't want to use the word contenders because they're neither of them are, but I mean they're in the mix and it's interesting. And it's healthy for the league too to not just so have much like like the NBA. Don't oh, turn into the NBA. The Lakers, the Warriors. Okay, yeah, we'll see you in the finals. But it's so healthy for the NFL to have these teams develop, come up every three four years, be good, be relevant, and not just have the Chiefs win every single game or the Steelers win every single Super Bowl. Okay, but let's just talk about how fun it is to sweat like a Memphis Grizzlies, Utah Jazz, ten forty five. Disaster. On a, tu- <laughs> on a Tuesday night, you're sweating like a, a eight and a half point under, and you're just like sweating layups. You have work in the morning. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst, and that's the thing with football too. It's it's it's. Your window is so small in football. So, so if you if you could just figure it out, like the back nine of the season, if you could just figure it out and go on a run, like the Giants kind of did both Super yeah. Bowls they've recently won. Like football exactly is such same. a crazy sport where it's single elimination. And once you make the playoffs, what do you have to win? If you don't, obviously, if you don't have the bye, you got to win four games and you're a champion. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's like it's anything could happen. And, um, you know, I get really frustrated when I watch football games with the refing. And I know we were talking about it's this off, offline, um, just like the subjectivity around pass interference, yeah. the impact of a deep pass interference call, the impact that that has on, like, honestly, economies and cities <laughs> and businesses, people's, people's, people's 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 day to day lives, yeah. <laughs> like a P.I. call, like all of a sudden they lose the hot dog stands are shut down. People are out of mind. like it, it's just the impact is insane and it's so subjective. And we're going to talk a lot about that, you know, as we get into the playoffs, because, you know, there's some there's some nightmares. Look, you don't have to get me started about there's pass interference in the playoffs because I, I I still have nightmares. But but honestly, like, I mean, it's just so exciting this year. And and just the, the way that these games have been going and the way that this this season is shaping up, playoffs are going to be exciting. But let's let's switch tides here. Yeah, we'll, we'll switch tides. We'll get into our rainbow a little later. We'll get into our picks and our locks. But first. We're going to need uh, we're going to talk about some mad tilts. Um, you know, for those new listeners, um, this segment requires each of us to come up with a statement regarding a play performance decision ending in a blank and we go round table. Rafa, I want to start with you. Okay. So I'm going to have to paint the picture for this one. Cause you know, we, do, this podcast, I forgot, my, I forgot my board at home. Like my yeah. game board, <laughs> like, your, your, your easel, yeah, <laughs> easel. Yeah. this podcast doubles as an art class. So <laughs> <laughs> let me paint you guys a picture. Patrick Mahomes is unstoppable. He is the equivalent of like every supervillain I've ever seen in a movie because the effort it's going to take to beat him is going to be something like from a movie. So my question, my tilt is, and I'm going to give my example. I think it'll make it a lot easier for you guys to understand what I'm trying to do. What Super Bowl, what, <laughs> what supervillain is Patrick Mahomes? How was he defeated in the movie? And what team in the NFL do you think could produce those same results? So I think that Patrick Mahomes is like Satan from Tenacious D, the pick of destiny. Okay? 
So look, this is let me if you haven't seen the movie, get off the podcast. But we've made that joke too many times. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. Jack Black and this bald guy, I can't remember his name, or Cage, I think is what they call him. Um, they need to defeat Satan in a rock off to say to basically save their lives. So Patrick Mahomes is Satan, and the only way to beat him is to rock his socks off. You need to come up with the most creative song ever on the spot just to beat this guy. And that, that's kind of like what we've seen. It's like every week they, they just come up with something new and you have to figure it out on the fly. How are we going to beat these guys? And I think that the Jack Black and the little fat bald guy are like Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Let me explain myself a little bit. These two guys are, I think they're one of the most winningest duos in NFL history in terms of coach and quarterback. And I think it's going to take an effort like we've never seen before to take this down. Now, what did Jack Black and this bald guy do? They just they just winged it. They winged it, and they started they started singing and dancing and talking about mayonnaise, and they they literally they just went off. They if you haven't seen it, you have to watch. Come it. on, Cage. Now it's there. time to blow doors down. <laughs> there you go. I hear you, Jables. Now it's time to blow doors down. That is exactly what's going to have to happen, and I think it showed in the first Super Bowl that Sean Payton won. The only one is at halftime. You readjust. You go for the onside kick, and that was like groundbreaking. And that was kind of like when Jack Black said, if we lose, you could take Cage and he could be your sex slave in, in, in hell for the rest of his life. <laughs> <That's> incredible. <laughs> so look, this question's a little convoluted, but I'm going to compare Sean Payton and Drew Brees to Jack Black and the short fat guy from Tenacious D and the Dave Grohl played Satan is Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> Bro, who I love. Honestly, Cage kind of looks like Andy Reid. <laughs> like it kind of does. A little bit. I, I need to watch it. that movie again. Like it's, it's so good, man. It's, so it's amazing. It's out of control. So go ahead. What do you guys I'm gonna, got? I'm going to pick Wizard of Oz. Okay. And if you actually haven't seen that movie, yeah. <laughs> actually get off <laughs> like, the podcast. Get off the podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, a magical story about the most oblivious woman in movie <laughs> history, Dorothy. She just cheeses me. What an idiot she is. She's so stupid. The Tin Man, Scarecrow, uh, Scarecrow and of course, the Cowardly Lion. As they embark on a quest to defeat the Wicked Witch of the West. And Patrick Mahomes is the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> Just an absolute wagon. Controlling the entire <laughs> kingdom. And for the premise of this segment, the NFL. So we're going to use the Green Bay Packers here. we got Aaron Rodgers as our Dorothy. For those who haven't seen the movie, Dorothy uses her red shiny high heels to get her to her safe place. That being her home in Kansas. For the sake of the Packers... This team solely relies on the arm of Aaron Rodgers to save them <laughs> from absolute disaster. Week in, week out. The Scarecrow, who is a complete idiot. I think the movie description literally says this character does not have a brain. So for this, we're going to use Marquez Valdez-Scantling because he does not have a brain. <laughs> be, be careful. He might come at you on Twitter for saying that. <laughs> Welcome all the death threats. I hate you. The guy has no football IQ, runs a crossing route when he's supposed to streak, drops an easy 10-yard completion, and I swear Rodgers just hates him. He just hates him. He just has good things about him just because he has to yeah. look at him every day. And the, for the courageous lion, who's the world's biggest pussy, has to be the <laughs> Packers management, uh, who I swear to God wouldn't draft offensive help for Aaron Rodgers if they had a gun to their head. Uh, like winning? Oh, no, that's like so scary. Oh, my God. Uh, but a crew led by Aaron Rodgers can always turn the tide and for the sake of this segment can take down the Wicked Witch of the West, Patrick Mahomes. That was great. I love this. I love this question. And, you know, I was thinking about this for a long time, but when I think about Patrick Mahomes and, you know, relate him to a villain, I think about like, like doing something like unimaginable, like yeah. something like I've never seen because when I, when I watch him, it's like something I've never seen before. Um, so I go to Austin Powers gold member, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is Dr. <laughs> Evil. 
He can do the unimaginable. He can demand $100 trillion and I wouldn't blink an eye. He, he has tight ends with laser beams. <laughs> <laughs> he has a mini-me in Tyreek Hill. He is Dr. Evil. And to take him down, you need the spy who shagged me. You need Mr. Austin Powers himself. And for everyone who's seen that movie, first of all, what a movie. Oh, my God. Movie. He needs two things. His mojo and his sidekick. <laughs> and look no further than them Pittsburgh Steelers. Chase Claypool is his mojo. He's a rookie sensation, absolute unit. I'm sure he absolutely just slays. I mean, hundred percent. He's just dominant. hundred Canadian boy. He's he's got like six four, two twenty. He's just an absolute. He's just he's rounding up. He's rounding up Calgary fucking broads. Oh yeah. Who's this? Charles Claypool, whatever his name is. Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool is just wheeling every Western Canadian rocket on the planet. So so he's the mojo. And Juju Smith-Schuster is Foxy Cleopatra. <laughs> Dramatic. <laughs> dancing machine. Just rock solid head to toe. And the sidekick to Ben Roethlisberger, which is Austin Powers. I genuinely think that if Patrick Mahomes is Dr. Evil, then the Pittsburgh Steelers are Austin Powers. <laughs> that was unreal. <laughs> <laughs> That's another movie I have to see again. Or a whole series. I have to see all the Austin I Powers. I like gold. <laughs> that movie's incredible. Like on, oh. I can't believe he plays like every character in that movie. Every fat character. Bastard, yeah, yeah. It's the most impressive. Yeah, yeah. Plays sorry, sorry. Marquis Pouncey is like fat bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just unit. He plays Dr. Evil. Dr. Gold Evil. Member, gold member. Fat bastard. Fat bastard. Austin Powers. Austin Powers. <laughs> and he got, like, if he didn't get paid at least $50 million for that movie, uh, I, that's crazy. He actually didn't, though. I think, he, I think he made a bit less. Did I hear that they're making a comeback or something? No or, or way. Or like a Netflix appearance? I don't know. They've something. all been on Netflix. Oh, they they all got put oh, on okay. Netflix. I watched Gold Member the other day. I, I, I don't know literally what died. Whatever. Let's move on. Corey, what's going on? I've been thinking about my mad tilts all week, and you know it didn't come to me until I watched the Los Angeles Chargers take a beating from the Bill Belichick New England Patriots forty-five. I'm sorry, listeners, for that. By the way, well, we're gonna don't don't <laughs> we're gonna get into that. Don't you worry. Um, but I don't know if you guys saw this after the dismantling of the Chargers and after they've blown lead after lead after lead. Anthony Lynn actually had an interview, and in this interview he said. I look forward to being here and making a change, which we all know isn't happening. So Anthony Lynn's interview where he said, I look forward to being here and making a change is the lowest probability thing you've heard since blank max. So this one was so easy for me too. I feel like sometimes like you, you, I read these tilts and they're just, it's just boom. This is the most unlikely, the lowest probability thing I've heard. Since a young Jonah Hill in Superbad thought that he was going to fuck Jules. Like, that is how unrealistic this is. We're talking about, like, the nerdiest, overweight, little chubby shit in high school wheeling the literal Emma Stone of your, of your grade. Like, it's never, ever going to happen. Like, you, people are literally spitting on you at the gas station. <laughs> like, you have no chance in hell. I'll take it a step further. This is, like, as, and I have a girlfriend, so thankful if you're listening, probably not. This just disregard this next statement. This is the equivalent of me sliding into Justin Herbert's girlfriend's <laughs> DMs and her flying to Toronto and going out for dinner with me. Which is literally like like if that happens, Anthony Lynn can have his job. Like I will personally fly to San Diego or LA and I will demand for his job, but it's never happening. Just like I'm never going out with Riley Jean Kirk and, and Jonah Hill's never never landing Emma Stone. It's never gonna happen. This this is the dumbest quote I've ever read in my life. I'm crying. It could be the dumbest <laughs> thing ever because everybody in the world except him knows he's not lasting. 
till next year. So like he actually had the audacity to say, I'm going to make a change. And it's like, <laughs> this is a week after yeah. he said playoffs. Uh, I don't playoffs are out of the picture for us. Like, and now you're going to come back and say, Oh, we're, uh, we're going to make a change. But, um, let me just read this here. Anthony was interview where he said, I look forward to being here and making a change is the lowest probability thing you've heard since. Hmm. How about me picking a lock? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it there. That's me. That's yeah. about me picking a lock. Yeah, just good enough. Low probability. <laughs> Corey, does that work for you? Yeah, that works <laughs> it for me. It works for me. We're going to make a change this week. What, zero percent? <laughs> Idiot. I mean, yeah, this one, <laughs> I mean, this one happened. Oh, God, I can't wait for this. Anthony Lynn's interview where he said, I look forward to being here and making a change is the lowest probability thing that I've heard since going a full week without getting a call from the air ducts cleaning service company. This has been a consistent call that I've received for the last 14 years of my life. And I've only had a phone for 12. Like, how do they get my contact info? How am I qualified as a lead? The last time I answered the phone, I'll never forget this. They said, please give me the dimensions of your house. I said, sir, I don't own a house. I'm 14 years old. And I've never, ever, ever picked up since. Why do they call me? I will never purchase (laughs) your air duct cleaning service over a cold call. Just like Anthony Lynn will not have a job by the end of the season. 0%. 0%. And like when they ask for the dimensions, dude, just like random homeowners, <laughs> yeah. like, no, oh, yeah, my house is uh, 46 by uh, 48. Like, what? Like, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And like being a sales guy, I just, I don't appreciate the cold call skills. There's just, <laughs> there's no framing, no tone, no <laughs> object. They just have no skill. What they're reading a script, the script's probably like covered in water. They can't read the word. It's just, it's a disaster. But again, so is the, the Charger season. So it's a great one. For mine, we got to talk about the Jets because this team is just a travesty. They fired um, Greg Williams after that disastrous play call. He calls himself Dr. Heat. Did you know that? <laughs> Doc- like, I'm going to bring the heat. Like, like I'm, I'm, maybe, doctor, I'm on the hot seat. Yeah, like, <laughs> the audacity you have to call yourself Dr. Heat. You're going to call a blitz on, like, a last play of the game? Yeah, you're an idiot. Okay. If we were to personify the Jets organization, they would look like blank. I, I'm going to answer the question, but I, I have to do this once because it's stuck in my head. Uh, I My name is, I don't give a fuck, uh, air duct cleaning. Uh, <laughs> I come to house clean air ducts. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. Like, I don't own a house. I don't own a house. Oh, my God. No, for me, this was, this was also kind of an easy one. And no hate to this man at all because the Home Alone series was my favorite series, I think, as a kid ever. And I think that, that his life, Macaulay Culkin, has a lot to do with these Jets. Um Growing up, the Jets, I mean, for our parents' generation, I don't know if you're like 500 years old, the Jets were were the team to watch. People loved watching the Jets. They were good, competing. They had players just like Macaulay Culkin was that cute little kid in Home Alone who got left at home and started throwing parties and killing intruders, and I don't know what he was doing. But look at him now. <laughs> like, Look at him now. He's a, He went down a bad road, and the Jets are on that same bad road. I'm talking like drugs. Adam Gase, <laughs> alcohol, <laughs> terrible O-lines. <laughs> like, like this team is a disaster. Um, and I, from what I've read, Macaulay Culkin turning his life around. Good for him. I think the Jets are a couple moves away from that as well. Mm-hmm. They got Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence around the corner. They got Adam Gase on the way out, God willing. Um, but yeah, right now the Jets look like Macaulay Culkin during his uh, scary phase. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. That's yeah, a, he, he's done. I mean, I'm. I, 
I thought he. I didn't know he was still alive. Macaulay. Asked, yeah. He was on Joe Rogan like a year ago. Okay, so he's got. And so if you're on there, so you got to you have, you have to have a. He, and Joe Rogan takes a lot of people, but you at least have to have a pulse. So. Yeah. This question's incredible, and I thought you, you painted a nice picture. But so when when I think about the Jets, this, this is kind of what I think about. Um, when every single team starts a season, there's hope. Like th- there is, right? And especially the Jets, they had Le'Veon. They just rebranded these like beautiful dark green jerseys. Like the fans were getting excited. There was hype. And like when I think about the Jets, I want to personify it to an organization or a team that somewhat had hope. So if I were to personify the Jets organization, they reminded me of a track and field team that represented (laughs) a Thornhill public school at Toronto Regionals. Let me paint a picture, okay? For everybody who doesn't know Thornhill, let's just say that it breeds more academics versus athletes, okay? (laughs) It's just not an athletic town, and we'll leave it at that. For everybody from Thornhill, I think you get my drift. But when I think about the Jets organization, I I remind myself of my grade six 800-meter relay race team right before regionals. We're in practice. We're feeling good. We look around the room. There's some people there that can, I guess, run when we're competing against ourselves. We, we just got a transfer kid from Scarborough. He's like the Joe Flacco or Gore. He's got a crazy track record. <laughs> Tons of respect. And then we show up at regionals. And we line up to race. And we look at the school next to us. And I remember seeing four international kids from Zimbabwe. It looks like they've been sprinting suicides <laughs> for the last 15 years. We're drawing dead immediately. This is the Jets organization when they get off the practice field and they sit and they just look across and they see, I don't know, the Seahawks, just like talent, like breeded talent. And they're just like, I'm finished. There's no chance of winning that game. It takes me back to regionals. <laughs> Grade six. This could have been, And like your best play stopped at like McDonald's on the way to the tournament. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and those kids are like... <laughs> Oh, like man. the only way you got on the on the team is if you passed the beep test. Like like you had to like <laughs> like not be puking after the beep test, and our teacher would like hammer us with dodgeballs and say, "Hey, get get on the bus. You're going to regionals." <laughs> These kids have been training for 22 years. It's it's just yeah differently. Let's be real. No one wants to hang with the Jets. They're incompetent losers. Like, can you just imagine hanging out with Adam Gase and like Joe Flacco? It's a nightmare. So for this to personify the Jets, I'm imagining like the biggest freak in high school. Like, ugly, acne-filled disaster. Walks into the class, smells like an absolute dumpster. Wears the same underwear as yesterday, just, like, inside <laughs> out. Still has, like, their acne cream, like, dripping off their face. Just everything is a mess. And the best thing is, they don't even realize it. Like, they wake up in the morning, they look in the mirror, they're like, yeah, like, let's have a day. Let's have a day. And that's the Jets. Like, they show up to practice every <laughs> single day. Only to show up on Sunday and get absolutely obliterated. Like, please, just just realize how bad you are and how big of a waste of space you are in the NFL. That's my rant on the Jets. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Clean, concise. We all, know, we all know that kid. Yeah. Oh, we all know that kid. <laughs> we all know that kid. Oof. That's bad. Yeah. It is bad, and that's hilarious. That's got to be the best segment, and you know we love the we love the love that we're getting on Mad Pelts. Yeah, Pelt, we love the love from the It's going to keep coming. Uh, we're looking forward to feedback. But the moment you've all been waiting for, we're here to provide picks. And let me just have a, a little conversation about that before we start. We as a team have actually been doing pretty well. Where we've struggled a bit is somewhere over the rainbow, but we're here to come back because this is our time. Welcome to Somewhere Over the Rainbow. We tell you the one, two, and three games that you need to smash the over based on the lines on Wednesday. This segment 
is coming back. We are not missing these picks. The research has happened. Rafa, I'm starting with you. Give me one pick this week that we must take over. I'm taking over 52 in the Vikings-Bucks game. Um, There's a few reasons behind it, so let me get into it quickly. The Vikings have gone over in over 70% of their games this year. The Buccaneers are coming off a bye. Tom Brady, that offense, getting healthy. I think I think they're going to clean it up. I think the Bucs are going to put up. I think there's going to be a high-scoring game, a shootout. I think Dalvin Cook's going to run all over their defense. I think Tom Brady's going to walk up and down the field on offense. I don't see a lot of defense in this game. Even though both defenses are actually decent, I think Brady off a bye, you're guaranteed a lot of points, and the Vikings just go over. All they do is go over. Even when their overs are dead, the last five minutes of the game, they end up scoring 10, 14 points. So I'm going to take over 52 in this game. Final score prediction, somewhere in the 35 to 27 range, I think is really, really fair. Covering, covering, of course, (laughs) because Tom Brady off a bye always covers. I feel like Cynthia Freeland. I went right on the <laughs> I went right on the spread. Um, but yeah, give me over fifty two Vikings Bucks. Uh, lock it in, smack it, smush it, whatever you got to do to it. Uh, crayfish, what do you got? I like that. The Vikings do always go over, but I think they're in trouble this week against Tom. Me too. Uh, they're gonna they lose. Score points. They're, they're gonna, gonna lose. Yeah. I'm looking at the Colts Raiders over fifty and a half. I think that's a bargain. It, to me, it, it looks like Vegas is like begging you to take the over, which is a little. Yeah. Like, I'm a little worried about that. But these teams just put up points. With the exception of the Falcons nightmare, I think it was two weeks ago, the Raiders are averaging 33 points per game over their last four. And for the Colts, Rivers and Frank Wright have this offense averaging 30 points a game over that same span. I think it's a must-win for both. The AFC playoff picture is crazy. They have to keep pace with Miami. They have to keep pace with Cleveland. They have to keep pace with Tennessee. And I think for Oakland, with no Josh Jacobs again this week, which sucks for my fantasy playoffs, but that's for another day. If that can lead to more passing, and we saw that last week against the Jets, they just slung it every single play. Devontae Booker didn't run the ball at all. Henry Ruggs had a game. Waller had a game. I think it could be an air raid for Oakland. And just some stats to clear the air here and just to add comfort for this pick. The over is 9-3 and three in the last 12 Raiders games, and the over is 6-2 and two in the last 8 Colts games. So I think this is a money over. Again, the only skeptical thing about this pick is that Vegas is sort of begging us to take the over. Only at 50 and a half, but I'll be riding it. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a couple points a little bit lower on this on the scale, and I'm gonna go to the Monday Nighter uh, in Cleveland. The Baltimore Ravens visit the this hot, steaming Cleveland Browns, and I'll tell you why. Uh, plain and simple, I mean these teams can score. I, I did a bit of research, and I saw in Cleveland's last three games where it hasn't been raining, they've put up 41, 27, and 37. And the, the weather looks good for Monday night. It's supposed to be sunny, not too cold. I think this is another night where Baker can run play action, lean on that run, uh, that number one run game in the NFL, and, and really open up their wide receivers uh, against a beat-up Baltimore defense who isn't that good. Um, but also, when you look at the Baltimore team, I mean, Lamar stinks, and I hate him, and, and this isn't a, an excuse for him coming out and slinging 300 yards, but they can also run the ball, which means play action is going to be open all day. Baker exploited it this week. So did Lamar. I think there's going to be a lot of points. I don't think 46 is nearly enough. Uh, look for the over. I look for about 50 to 53 points in this game. Smash it. So when you go around the room on our Somewhere Over the Rainbow ticket, you have over 51 and a half, or sorry, over 52 in Vikings at Bucks, over 46 and a half in Ravens at Browns, and over 51 and a half in Colts at Raiders. When you parlay those together, that's plus 595. A unit pays a profit of 600 and again bet365 offering some bonus these i don't, I don't know if you guys have noticed yeah, that i'm like the only one in the world that doesn't get that. i don't get anything uh, you I'm guys the most loyal member i've donated maybe 
like, I don't know, $50,000 to your site, give me a free bet. I don't think I've got one $5 bet credit <laughs> in 10 years. I'll teach you guys the ways. But anyways, there's a bonus on this. You slap 100 on it. You can make 755 Um, We love it. We love it. And this this, this is our it. week. Hopefully this week we can turn over uh, the rainbow picks. Um, so before we get into our actual picks, today's episode of The Morning Tilt is again brought to you by our friends at Northfolio. Northfolio, for those who weren't here last week, is a free Discord server dedicated to providing its members with professional guides and information on investing. This could be stock picks, money management, real estate, anything you desire to invest in. Not only that, but they are sharing their exclusive partnership with GSP's new sportsbook, Bet99, with our listeners. Sign up at bet99.com or on the app with code NORTHFOLIO, N-O-R-T-H-F-O-L-I-O. They will match your first deposit up to $250. To me, that, that seems just like free money. To get a free professional guidance on stocks and real estate and much more, check them out at Twitter at NORTHFOLIO. Again, on Twitter at NORTHFOLIO. Okay, so we're going to get into some picks. So far, over the course of five episodes, we're looking at a 36 and 29 record. Very respectable. 56%. I think, Cree Rob, what do you got? 13 and 9. Top of the heap. Rafa, 13 and 10. Bro. I would take that all day. We're not messing around. And as bad as my locks have been, I'm 10 and 10. So I'm sitting at 50% with a fresh slate going into week 14. Corey, who do you like this week? Give me the rationale. Give me the stats. Give me the picks. Before I even get into my lock pick, which is automatic at this point. I have four games that I really like, and I'm going to start right at the top of the schneed with my Pittsburgh Steelers visiting the Buffalo Bills. I'm taking the money line, but take them at plus two and a half. And again, we've gone so much Steelers talk, the defense, the offense, they, they will bounce back and they play unbelievable against good teams. Let's just remember the fact Steelers are still unbeaten on the road. I don't care who they've played. They don't lose on the road. They are 11 and one. They don't lose. Take the Steelers, and if you want the stats, let me know. As I mentioned, I have 83. I don't have enough time to spill. The next game that I love is the Kansas City Chiefs in Miami. This spread to me should be over 10 points. Right now, we're getting them at minus 7. I think the Miami Dolphins are pretenders. They're ranked 25th overall or worse in four major offensive stats, including pass yards and rush yards. I just don't see a world where they're going to keep up with Mahomes. Regardless of how much how many turnovers the defense has caused, I think Mahomes puts up at least 25 points, and I don't think two is going to do that with those stats. Um, let's just go over the facts as well. The Finns' last four games, okay, the last four games have been the Chargers, the Broncos, the Jets, and the Bengals, with a total record of 9-38-1. This team is not a real contender. I've said it two weeks in a row. I don't see a world where they contend in this game. And come on, do I really need to talk about Patrick Mahomes? He's going to dominate this game. I think he's going to win by 10-plus. Take the Chiefs at 7 because it's going to go up. The next game that I really, really like is the Arizona Cardinals visiting Crayfish's New York Giants, and I know he's going to be on the opposite side. But the Cards have dominated in New York in recent times. They're 6-1 in their last seven against the spread when playing against the Giants in New York. And look, I don't doubt that Giants D, but it looks like Danny Dimes is going to play. I don't think he's that healthy. And this is a must-win for, for the Cardinals. They're 6-6. Six and six. Kyler's healthy again, and his crew is just way too much to handle. I don't see a world where James Bradbury can contain Hopkins. Hopkins has just been dominating points per game. Top five receiver in the NFL. It's going to open up a lot of opportunity for Kenyon Drake in the run game. Take Kyler. He's a real MVP candidate, and Danny Dimes isn't. And my favorite pick of the week just because I'm looking Max square in the face as I say this, is the Philadelphia Eagles 
at home plus seven against the Saints. Why? It's simple. Carson Wentz isn't playing, which means they actually might have a chance. This is a quarterback versus a running back. It's Jalen Hurts time, baby. He was unbelievable in college. He looked really good in the fourth quarter, and I'm just so excited for this. Max, stop looking at me because I just see you drooling, and I know it's coming, but get ready. This is the first week where the Saints get upset. I don't know if they lose this game, but this is going to be a, a three to four point game. It's going to be close. The Eagles D has been much better week over week. Take the points and be confident. So just to recap, the Steelers are winning when they visit Buffalo, but I'm taking them plus two and a half. Chiefs minus seven at Miami. Cardinals minus two and a half at Giants. And the Eagles plus seven at home to the New Orleans Saints. Puppy? Yeah, so... I'm going to start off because well, I'll go next. I'm not going to start off, but I have two picks that go against yours, which always excites me. So I'll start off with your last pick where you took the Eagles. I'm going to take the Saints minus seven against the Eagles for reasons that I thought were obvious, but clearly you have not gotten the memo. So let me let me give you some statistics because I'm not a stat guy. You're usually the stat guy, but you give no stats. So I'll I'll carry your weight, okay? Since week nine... The Saints' defense, fewest points allowed per game, 8.8. Fewest yards allowed per game, 233. Fewest rushing yards allowed per game, 55. And they're second in takeaways with 13, 13 takeaways since week 9. And they also rank second in sacks with 17. They're going up against a team who is a literal dumpster fire. I love Carson Wentz. You hate him? That's fine. Let's just look at this rookie quarterback who's supposed to go up against the best defense in the NFL, who is the Saints since week nine. And there's nothing to really talk about there because I just gave you four stats that have them in first in every stat and second in sacks. I think this is an insane coaching mismatch as Doug Peterson literally cannot coach a football team right now. I think I don't think they want to start Jalen Hurts. I think they're being forced to start Jalen Hurts because they have to change something because of how big of a dumpster fire this team is. I never thought it was about Wentz. I still don't think it's about Wentz. So I will take the Saints minus seven. And as much as I love that pick, I need to give a shout out to somebody that I saw on Twitter this week, Giovanni, the Philly sports podcaster. Mm-hmm. I, I believe he's from Philadelphia. He's 13 years old. This kid's an inspiration. He is in love with Carson Wentz. And he's okay with them going with Jalen Hurts because he believes in the team. But Giovanni, if you're listening, we're going to tag you in a bunch of stuff. We'd love to have you on the podcast. You're an absolute beauty. I love Carson Wentz as well. So why don't you come on the podcast and tell Corey why Carson Wentz is the real deal. And you can kind of shut him up for a bit. So that'd be great. So shout out to Giovanni, the Philly sports podcast. Huge shout out. Regardless of my Carson Wentz hate, I love this kid. Giovanni, you're an inspiration. This kid's awesome. We'd love to have you on the podcast, as Rafa mentioned. Um, Yeah. Next great, pick. Great kid. Next, Next pick. pick. I'm going to take the Bills minus two and a half oh against the Steelers. Oh um, simply like based it, on. I love it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, like it. Like, I literally love it. Like, this was my favorite pick of the week. We had a little rebuttal from the lock ticket. So we moved it to the to the regular ticket. And I understand. I understand. So no, no hard feelings. Wait, you understand? I understand. I don't understand. I understand. Okay, moving on. Okay. <laughs> Look, I, I don't know what you're watching. The Buffalo Bills are on fire. Josh Allen literally looked like Patrick Mahomes last week, and that's not an understatement. He's running around in the pocket. He's throwing on the move. He's finding open receivers. This defense is real. They're coached well. They're playing a Steelers team that has been slumping for weeks, barely sleep, like sneaking by shit teams. I think the Bills are going to win this game convincingly. I like it two and a half. It's a field goal. I think that's a lock. I think this could be a 10-point win. I really do. 
I'm sorry. I know your your butt hurt about it, and and <laughs> it's hard for you to turn your back. And I get it. They're eleven and one, but they have not played anybody. The Buffalo Bills are going to win this game convincingly. Give me the Bills minus two and a half. Next, I'm going to go to the Browns on Monday night. The Browns are scorching. The Browns are scorching, and I cannot stand Baltimore. I cannot stand Lamar Jackson. I think this defense is going to bottle him up. I know we like the over in this game, and I still stand by it because I think Lamar will put up, I don't know, 17, 20 points, and I think Cleveland covers the rest. The fact that this is a pick I don't, I, I don't see how. The Ravens have been slumping. They just beat Dallas. Whoop-de-doo. I could beat Dallas. Um, the, Browns, the Browns are great. They're healthy. They're moving other than Odell, but they've been doing it without him anyways. Um, so I love the Browns. And something I introduced to my, my own betting life this week was teasers. I learned about a teaser. What? A teaser. A teaser is when you pick a couple games with the spread, and you basically get to buy six points on every game. So essentially, I'm getting a three-team teaser with all my picks. So Saints, the spread goes from seven to one. Saints minus one. Bills plus three and a half. Browns plus six. If that loses, kick me off the podcast. Like, I, I don't know what to say. That's not losing. So it's a three-team teaser. They generally pay out like plus two, two something. So you're getting a little more than double your money on a three-team teaser. This is a lock. Saints minus one. Bills plus three and a half. Browns plus six. Lock it in. And then a special shout out to myself here. I'm actually still alive in Survivor. We got 40 guys left. Um, 33,000 on the pot. I got Seattle this week against the Jets. If that loses, I actually won't be on the podcast next week because I'll have driven my car off a bridge. So give me Seattle money line on my Survivor pick. Obviously, you're not going to bet it, but that's happening as well. So for those still alive or lucky enough to be alive in your Survivor pick, Rafa is riding Seattle. Tag along with him if you want to move on to week 15. I was going to start with another pick, but I have to start with the Giants now after I heard Cree Rob's <laughs> justification for the Cardinals. You do know that they play every four years. So when you say the Cardinals are 6-1 in their last seven in New York, like those are two different rosters. Yeah, but, like, it's, but it's Kurt Warner. Like, hello. It's, the, like, Kurt, it's like 14 different rosters. Yeah, it's Kurt Warner <laughs> versus like Eli Manning in his rookie year. Like, okay, yeah, you're going to win. I just, I, I, my mind, my brain like, went to mush there. I, I just couldn't stand it. So back to the pick. This is the most disrespected line this year, hands down. Let me go back to our art skills and paint a picture. Oh. And by the end of my picture, by the end of my sketch, I'm going to ask you, Rob, Rafa, who should be favored in this game? So I'm going to get my paintbrush, and I'm going to say Team 1. Team 1 is losers of three straight games, with an injured quarterback who in the last two games has an average of 170 passing yards to go alongside three touchdowns and two interceptions, a defense that has allowed 30-plus points on average in the last five games. We bring in Team 2. Team two, winners of four straight games, an offense that has a consistent and efficient balance as they continue to run for over 145 yards a game in that same four-game span, a defense allowing 15 points per game again in that four-game span. Kreerob, Rafa, team one or team two, who should be favored? Kyler Murray. Rafa, the most logical answer is? Obviously, the Giants should be favored in this so game. So, again, I think Obviously, the Giants back. should be favored in this game. It's crazy. It, I think it goes back to the Colts game, the Colts over, which I gave, 50 and a half with the Raiders. Vegas is begging you to take the Giants here. Begging yeah. you. Because everybody in the world who watches football, who has eyeballs, who watches NFL, would say the Giants, over the past month, have been the better team, and they should be favored in this game. I think this is a story of... Two teams that are on totally different trajectories. The Cardinals are free-frawling while the Giants are peaking at the right time. I bet that if you ask Cliff Kingsbury in the offseason about Week 14's matchup against the Giants, he'd laugh and say, yeah, it's a get-right spot for us in oh case yeah. we're losing like two, three in a row. It's a get-right spot for, for sure. us. But no. Joe Judge, Patrick Graham, Jason Garrett have completely changed the identity and the culture, which I mentioned earlier, of this team, which was on full display last week in Seattle. The Giants continue to be an against-the-spread juggernaut. 
five and one in their last six, while the Cardinals are sorry, the Cardinals, who Kreerob is riding, is 0 and five in their last five. Kreerob is hot. He is hot, so we'll give him that. Cardinals can't, could can't win this deny, game. Can't deny he's hot. He is hot. But we they could win this game. I'm not going to be taking the Cardinals. I'm going to be taking the Giants. Give me Giants plus two and a half at home. Next, this picks a, it, it's a crazy pick because I won't be watching a second of this game. <laughs> but from an organizational standpoint, obviously this team isn't making the playoffs. But organizationally, this is a must win for the Cowboys. I'll go even further and say that if the Cowboys lose to the Bengals, a team that is now starting their third-string quarterback after Brandon (laughs) Allen got hurt last week, Jerry Jones will no doubt participate in a murder-for-hire activity on Mike McCarthy. (laughs) Like, go out, interview the most hillbilly, dirtiest slob in Texas, and be like, yo, can you kill Mike McCarthy for us? (laughs) Because this team has legitimately no excuses to lose this game. They're terrible. They have no excuses. They win the quarterback matchup. Dalton's not great, but he's better than Brandon Allen. Their offensive pieces blow Cincinnati's out of the water. Zeke, CeeDee Lamb, Gallup, Cooper, however you want to say it. And even their horrific defense. When you compare them to the Bengals, they're the 85 Bears. Like, they have no excuses to lose this game. It was actually really funny. I tried finding stats because that's what we do. We try to find stats to make our picks more comfortable. There was no stat backing the Cowboys here. <laughs> like, there was no stat backing the Cowboys here, but none backing the Bengals either. So, Got this feeling. is a pick that is just predicated on organizational pressure down to the coaching staff and the players. I like the Cowboys minus three and a half. Last, last pick, I like the Texans minus one in Chicago. I think this Texans team is better than their record suggests. I really like Deshaun Watson. And without that fumble on the one-yard line last week, they most likely beat a 7-4 a and four Colts team. And they're also extremely competitive in a 10-7 loss to the now 9-3 and three Browns back in Week 10. Let's not forget their brutal schedule to start the year. The Texans had the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers. That's an 0-3 team for the majority of the league. I swear, like, did Goodell have, like, naked pictures of, like, Bill O'Brien or something? Like, Some. how did he get, like... How did that schedule get approved? It, it makes no it makes no sense. And then the Bears, like how can anybody possibly enjoy watching this team? They have no identity. They don't run the football. They can't pass the football. It's a total nightmare of a situation. They've lost six straight. And from those games, their so-called amazing defense has given up an average of 29 points per game. So I love the Texans in this spot, getting hands down the better quarterback and debatably the better coach in Romeo Cornell. Craig, I have no idea how you're going to watch any of those games. Texans, Bears, Cowboys, well, I'll be Bengals. Watching the Giants game for Gi- sure. Okay, if you're not yeah. a Giants fan, you're asking people to watch the Texans, Bears, the <clears throat> Cowboys, Bengals, and the Giants, Cardinals. Honestly, I was gonna say, Crayfish, I love you for many reasons, but one of them is you give me a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you give me a purpose to watch six non-playoff teams. Listen, where you don't I'm have confident. To watch them. If I'm giving you the picks, plug them in. I haven't been good with the locks, but the picks have been a different story. Take the picks. You don't have to watch the Cowboys versus Brennan Allen. You don't have to watch the Texans versus Mitch Trubisky. You don't have to watch my Giants. Just plug the bets in and hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I've been uh, I've been disappointed with the way that a lot of these picks have gone. But, you know, uh, everybody needs second chances. So let's go into what everyone is here for. Uh, welcome to the lock ticket. The lock ticket. Let me just explain, okay? The purpose of the lock ticket is to provide one pick each that will not miss. Now, Rafa and Crayfish, let me do you a quick favor and define what a lock means. A lock is a formal promise or assurance, typically in writing, that certain conditions will be fulfilled, especially that a product will be prepared or replaced if not a specified quality or durability. Please, 
review this definition <laughs> and give me a pick that is going to hit because I feel like I'm the only one who can do this. So let me start and let me be confident because my locks have been on fire. Ride me. And please, I hope you're listening to this either Wednesday night or Thursday morning because my lock ticket is a Thursday night game. I am taking the Sean McVay-led Los Angeles Rams minus five versus the Patriots. I genuinely believe the last few Pats wins haven't been as pressive as they looked. The, Patri- the Patriots averaged 4.4 yards per play versus the Chargers and only 3.5 yards per play against the Arizona Cardinals and still won both games. The run was relatively effective, but the special teams scored points in the in Chargers game just will not happen again when they're playing Aaron Donald and crew. Let's just be honest. The Rams don't make these mistakes. They're the number two defense overall. They're the number one against the pass, and most importantly, number three against the run, and we all know Cam Newton and crew can't do anything except for keep it on the ground. Also, Goff is a Thursday night magic man. Four career starts, 116 career passer rating, and let's get qualitative stats here. This is revenge game, boys. First meeting since the Super Bowl, no Brady in town. This is a revenge game for, for the Rams, and honestly, you guys know I've loved them over the last few weeks, and they haven't disappointed me. I freaking love the Rams this week. Minus five, take the points. It's going to be a hell of a Thursday nighter. So, yeah, I got rinsed taking the Chargers at a pick at home against the Patriots, and I learned my lesson. I will never bet against Bill Belichick again. He has taught me too well, and I lose too much money. So I'm going to flip the script and take Tom Brady. I think the Bucks minus 6.5 against the Vikings is a lock. I know I'm old enough to remember last week or two weeks ago when I totally ripped Brady, Arians, and the Buccaneers, but I am also old enough to remember how Tom Brady performs after a bye. 14-5 and five against the spread, clicking at a 74% rate, and he lost to the to Mahomes and the Chiefs, and he's 46-21 and 21 against the spread after a loss, clicking at 69%. So I got an angry Tom Brady against the Vikings defense who continues to struggle defensively, giving up 24 to Glennon and the Jags, 27 to Teddy and the Panthers, and 31 to Dalton and the Cowboys. And this Tampa defense continues to get overlooked. Like, we can't watch a defense get torched by Kansas City and change our perception of them. It's not fair. It's like downgrading a one-loss college team who lost to, like, Alabama or Clemson. You can't do that. Their defense still ranks number one against the run. And everybody who watches football knows the Vikings go only as far as Dalvin Cook takes them. So if they can limit Cook to a somewhat normal day, which I think they can after a week of prep, rest, and evaluation, they should be fine. And let's be real, they're facing Kirk Cousins. This guy stinks. Even with a load of offense, which he's had throughout his tenure at, as a Viking, he can't beat a winning team. He's 7-31 and 31 straight up against teams with a winning record. So right off the bat, given his history and his trends, the Bucks have an 82% chance of winning this game. Mm-hmm. So let's just hope it's more than 7. Give me the Bucks minus 6.5 as my lock. Great pick. I'm going to be quick on this one. I'm just so impressed with this team. The Washington football team plus 3.5 against the Niners. They're going to win this game. They're getting three and a half. I think you're a sucker if you don't take it. They have impressed me so much throughout the season. Ron Rivera, head coach, mortal enemy of mine when he was a Panthers coach. But look, um, battling illness, he's he's really just he's a motivation for this team. Along with Alex Smith, who lost his leg, and now it's back. He's playing football. He's playing great football. Back to his <laughs> old self. No stupid turnovers. No stupid turnovers. This defense is real. Chase Young, potentially a top five defensive lineman in this league already. There, I'm, this is a numbers. This is a numbers spot for me. Three and a half. I don't see this being a super high scoring game. I think Nick Mullins is going to get thrown around like a rag doll in the backfield. Um, if I'm getting three and a half with this team, it, it, there's nothing to think about for me. So I'm taking Washington plus three and a half against the Niners. The morning tilt week 14 lock ticket is the Los Angeles Rams minus five. 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus six and a half, and the Washington football team plus three and a half. That pays plus 628, a unit of 100 bucks. It's going to give you, with the bonus, $791 total. That's a nice profit, and that's a nice ticket. And my God, we know that the locks have been struggling, but we're coming back. Don't worry. Guys, the humor's there. The feedback is amazing. We've been super, super humbled with everyone listening. And honestly, from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you. But it's just starting. We're just getting going. And we have lots more to talk about. Please follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at The Morning Tilt. That's, again, on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. The Morning Tilt. What a, what a day. What a day. What a day. And we'll see you guys next week. Here we go.